This podcast is for general, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered medical, practice management, legal, investment, or other professional advice. No one should act or refrain from acting based on this podcast without obtaining appropriate professional advice. I'm always encouraging people to get involved in the nonprofit sector broadly and healthcare nonprofits specifically. There are opportunities to get involved with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation or another patient advocacy organization that's interesting to you. You can sign up to be a grassroots advocate. You can, anyone living anywhere in the United States, can be part of advocating for important public policies. You don't have to have a prior relationship with the organization. You can visit our website, sign up to be an advocate, and help set new public policies to improve healthcare for patients all across the country. Welcome to Gastro Broadcast. I'm your host, Kevin Harlan, and with me today is Michael Oso, Chief Executive Officer of the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Inflammatory bowel disease, or IBD, which includes Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, affects millions of Americans. And the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation is the world's largest public foundation dedicated to creating a world free from IBD. Michael is deeply committed to the mission of the foundation and has focused his efforts on ensuring it plays the essential role of leader, convener, and innovator for the IBD community. On a personal note, I've had the great honor and pleasure of getting to know Michael through my involvement with the DC, Maryland, Virginia chapter of the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. I know Michael as a tremendously talented, dynamic, caring, and mission-driven leader. Michael, welcome to Gastro Broadcast. Thank you so much, Kevin. Total pleasure to be here today. I really appreciate the invitation, and I'll just use this opportunity to thank you for all your volunteerism to the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. It's been hugely valuable to us over many years, so appreciate it. Great pleasure of mine. So let's get started, Michael. Tell me about how you came to lead the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and what inspires you about its mission. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I think I have to go back a bit, if you don't mind. Please. This, my career trajectory is relevant to answering your question because I, I, I went to the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. And I, I think that's relevant because I was surrounded by friends and colleagues that were all planning to find work in the for-profit sector, working for big manufacturing firms or in the investment banking industry. And it was kind of obvious to me at that time that, that th those weren't paths I wanted to take. And I had a special love and appreciation for the nonprofit sector and I just decided I was gonna do that. And so upon graduation, I started working in the nonprofit sector. Uh, I worked originally for performing arts nonprofits, and then I went on to lead an education nonprofit. But about 15 years ago or so, I started to very intentionally wanted to work for health nonprofit organizations, started at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and really fell in love with this sector broadly. The level of satisfaction and uh, and passion that I was able to have for those missions 
was far greater than anything I experienced before. And I've never looked back and I don't expect to look back. Um, and so I have a broad appreciation for the healthcare concerns of Americans recognizing whether it's cancer or inflammatory bowel disease. These are important missions, important work, and we all have an obligation to make the lives of the people suffering from these diseases better. Um, when eight years ago, I saw an opportunity at the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, I'd already had some people close to me who were struggling with the disease, so I understood the real challenge that Crohn's and Colitis present. Um, it was obvious to me, even in the interview process, that the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation was an organization at the forefront of really exciting science and patient care. And it became quickly obvious to me that I wanted to be a part of the organization. So I feel like it was a great honor and privilege to secure the position eight years ago. And it's been nothing but uh, an amazing journey that whole time. And I say this truly, honestly, it is the best and most gratifying work I've ever done in my career. That's terrific. Thank you for that. Truly inspirational. I appreciate it. Michael, what are the current priorities for the foundation? Yeah, so the organization, which some people may know or not know, the mission is twofold. So we aim to cure the diseases, Crohn's and colitis, and also at the same time improve the quality of life for our patients. And we just recently released a new strategic plan, which Kevin, you know all too well. And it, it outlines uh, many priorities, but several key priorities that we hope to work toward over the next four years. And I would start with the priority that involves patient access to care. We recognize this is a big challenge in our community and others. And so we're gonna be working to pass public policies, both on the state and federal level that help patients get access to critical medications. Um, we will be expanding our educational resources in particular areas of unmet needs for our patients. Um, and we're gonna be placing an even greater emphasis on including diverse patients in the development of those education and public policy initiatives, but also even our research programs. The second thing I would say, which is a key area of importance for us, is improving patient quality of life, but very specifically driving toward improved remission rates. Um, Remission in, in many cases is the ultimate goal for our patients. And we wanna be focused on reducing the time to disease diagnosis and improving disease management. One of the ways we do that is through a program called IBD Chorus, which it's our quality of care program. Um, and through that program, we aim increasingly to be helping providers and patients focus on managing toward remission some really exciting things happening on that front. Um, and we're even starting to fund research to understand the biological mechanisms that underlie disease remission. So we aim to address the issue from multiple angles. And I think the last way I would answer your question is, is broadly we're, we're focused on advancing new therapies and innovative products. And that's everything from funding a non-invasive wearable bracelet to detect 
gut inflammation. Um, and that can be done through measuring somebody's sweat and funding a blood test that's going to be able to predict with a lot of accuracy whether patients are likely to develop severe disease or not. Some of those programs are, are happening through our Venture Philanthropy Initiative, and we call that initiative IBD Ventures. Um, this is our opportunity to fund not just academic research, but also to make investments in commercial entities like biotechnology companies to advance on that product development continuum things we find to be particularly important and have ability to impact patients' lives. And so the last thing I would mention is a program called IBD Plexus. This is increasingly important for us too. This is a large data management platform. It's quickly becoming the single largest IBD data platform in the country. Um, and the, the effort is really intended to provide large data sources to multiple researchers all across the country, whether it's academic researchers or pharmaceutical commercial researchers with the intention of advancing more quickly the development of new treatments and ultimately cures. Terrific, thank you, Michael. The COVID-19 pandemic has been challenging on so many fronts and patients with chronic diseases have faced particular difficulties in terms of access to care while our healthcare system is overwhelmed with COVID cases. What are you hearing about how the pandemic has affected people with IBD and from the organizations the foundation supports? Yeah, Kevin, that is a terrific question because it has consumed a lot of our activity, certainly for the, for, for the entirety of the pandemic. And you have to go back to the beginning of the pandemic when there, there, there was a lot of fear and concern on the part of our patient community about COVID-19. There wasn't a clear understanding of the risk that IBD patients had as it relates to COVID-19, whether they should stay on their medications or go off their medications. Uh, in addition to the challenges they face every day, there was an added level of uncertainty and anxiety that really complicated people's state. The happy news that we now understand is that our patients in general are not at greater risk for developing severe COVID-19. That's terrific. Um, that's given people a lot of peace of mind. Um, and so I think the situation has really improved somewhat for our patients, both in the knowledge that they're not really at increased risk. There is an exception to that, which I should mention, is that if people are on steroids, there has been an association uh, of an increased risk for severe disease, but barring that situation, they're not. So that's given them comfort for sure. And then of course, the introduction of vaccines and the wide availability of vaccines is making life a lot better for our patients and, and everyone, of course. There is a small concern, so I do want to mention this too, that, uh, of whether or not the vaccines fully protect people that are on biologics. And 
The preliminary findings have shown that IBD patients who receive full doses of the COVID-19 vaccines, they do mount an appropriate immune response, which is terrific. But we're encouraging people all the time, especially patients, to continue enrolling in research studies so we can track this and other kinds of data uh, that is relevant to both COVID-19 and IBD because we, we want to know as much as we possibly can about how best to care for IBD patients. So if you have concern about getting the vaccine or if you still have questions, we're always encouraging people to speak to your doctor about it. Um, we wanna find all the ways possible to educate and support our patients as they go through their IBD journey and their IBD and COVID-19 journey. Studies have shown, Michael, that even though there is a lower prevalence of IBD among people of color when compared to white people, Black Americans have higher rates of hospitalization and death connected to IBD. Is there any recent research into disparities in IBD that you can share with us? And what can be done to improve health equity as it relates to IBD? So as you know, Kevin, we are a patient-centered organization, and we very much recognize that racial injustice in our society and the disparities that it creates in healthcare and other areas, certainly, it thwarts our mission, which is to serve all people with IBD. We recognize that that gets in the way. Um, but what I would also say is that <clears throat> doctors incorrectly at the moment assume that IBD doesn't affect patients of color. Certainly not all doctors, but we have seen evidence of this. And that can create further delay in diagnosis and, and therefore cause unnecessary suffering and disease progression. And this was a study that was published last year. Black patients presenting with textbook IBD symptoms like iron deficiency and chronic diarrhea were 91% less likely to get an appropriate workup for IBD. So you can imagine the downstream challenges that something like that creates um, black patients are sometimes met with skepticism when they're describing their symptoms and it can take multiple visits for them to get the proper diagnosis. So uh, the research is showing across studies that IBD patients of color present with complications or more advanced disease when they ultimately are diagnosed. And that points to a delay in diagnosis. And we wanna be part of correcting that situation. Um, one of the things that we're doing right now is we wanna understand the impact of IBD on diverse communities. So uh, through something called the Input Study, which is funded by the CDC, um, this study that we're implementing is gonna help understand the incidence and the prevalence of IBD across many different diverse communities. So we're listening and learning all the time from our patients and certainly our patients of color. That statistic, Michael, indicating that black patients are 91% less likely to receive adequate follow-up for their IBD is as tragic as it is striking. What can independent GI practices and providers do to impact this situation? I think a lot of it boils down to education and we have to go all the way back to helping providers understand that there is lots of evidence that this 
These diseases do not discriminate. There are people of all backgrounds, all races, all around the country and all around the world that are increasingly diagnosed with Crohn's and colitis. So I think that's the first level of education because what we need primary care physicians and even gastroenterologists to understand is that when they see a black patient or a Hispanic patient presenting with symptoms that are often associated with IBD, that the possibility of IBD has to enter their thinking and therefore the appropriate follow-up and workup that would normally happen must also happen for our patients of color. In independent GI practices, a big part of what we do is care for people with IBD. What can our practices do to engage with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and support its mission? I love that question, Kevin. Uh, I'm thrilled to be able to answer it. And the first thing I would say is that we are a national organization. We have 35 chapters that cover all 50 states. And I would encourage anyone to get involved with your local chapter, wherever that may be. You can visit our website, Crohn'sColitisFoundation.org, find your local chapter, reach out to that organization and those staff members, because we would love for you to get involved. You could participate in local events, serve in local leadership roles, and just get to know the organization better through that mechanism. We also <clears throat> always encourage healthcare professionals to join um, our fundraising and awareness building events. We have a community walk program called Take Steps. We have an endurance training program called Team Challenge. We have an indoor cycling program called Spin for Crohn's and Colitis Cures. All of these things can also be found on our website. Um, but then also, you know, we are hosting a wide variety of professional education programs throughout the year. Uh, every year in January, we host a large uh, professional gathering called the Crohn's and Colitis Congress. This past year, it was virtual, but in January of 2022, we intend to return to Las Vegas and have that program live and in person. So these are all different ways that this community can get to know the organization and benefit from it and be educated about the things that are happening in our IBD community. Thank you. What advice, Michael, do you have for young people who are considering a career in patient advocacy or nonprofit work? I also really always appreciate this question because, as I think you could tell from my introduction, I have been committed to the nonprofit sector my entire career and, and very much committed to the healthcare arena and patient advocacy organizations for at least the last 15. So I'm always encouraging people to get involved in the nonprofit sector broadly and healthcare nonprofits specifically. There are opportunities to get involved with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation or another patient advocacy organization that's interesting to you. You can sign up to be a grassroots advocate. You can, anyone living anywhere in the United States, can be part of advocating for important public policies. You don't have to have a prior relationship with the organization. You can visit our website, sign up to be an advocate and help set new public policies to improve healthcare for patients all across the country. As I mentioned before, there are a variety of awareness and 
fundraising events like Take Steps and the Spin Four event um, that we always welcome uh, young people to to become involved in. These are often interesting ways to just get to know the culture of an organization, what's happening inside, meet people who work there, key volunteers like you, Kevin. These are opportunities to meet those people. Um, and I would also just recommend talking to your own healthcare provider, uh, whether it's for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation or not. Your healthcare provider may have relationships with other patient advocacy organizations and they're always a good source, I would think, for uh, an entree into involving yourself with a good group. Thank you for sharing that advice. How can those listening, Michael, best learn more about the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, its services, and how they may be able to support the foundation? Yes, I would immediately direct people to our website, Crohn'sColitisFoundation.org. There there is an abundance of information about everything that we do. So whether you're interested in learning about our research programs or want to understand the latest education programs that we're offering, if you're interested in joining a support group or one of our fundraising programs, if you want to see the latest public service announcement or the latest press the organization and our accomplishments have achieved, that can all be found on the website. We recently redesigned it, so I think it's uh, more easily navigated than it was a few years ago. I encourage everyone to visit and explore all that the site has to offer. Michael, it has been a great pleasure spending time with you today. Thank you for all you do for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and the communities and patients it serves. Thank you, Kevin. It's a pleasure to work for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, and it's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you today. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to the Gastro Broadcast. Find new episodes through Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. For information about our hosts, guests, and supporters, visit gastrobroadcast.com. Produced by Steadfast Collaborative.